Welcome back to The Edge. Costs for an AI search are as much as 10 times higher. This might be the last time that you use LastPass. When it comes to chatting with AI, we're just guinea pigs. You're listening to News from The Edge for the week of February 27th, 2023, here on Edge of the Web Radio. From The Edge of the Web Studios, here's what we're looking at this week. Better late than never here. This is the news of the week, uh, digital marketing week here at the end of February, into March. Uh, this is Edge of the Web Radio. I'm your host, Aaron Sparks from Site Strategics, a digital marketing firm here in the U.S. Uh, we're covering SEO and digital marketing news of the week separately from our interview series that you can catch up on as well. We have some great talent and great interviews that we are going through on a regular basis here. So check that out as well. But we want to make sure that we get you the news as quickly as possible. And it's Thursday, so it's not nearly as quick as we intended, but it's getting to you. So at least we're ringing that bell. Right, Jacob? Right as I hit the mute button. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Absolutely. I'm watching. I'm watching. <laughs> yes. It'll, we're, we're recording and producing and getting everything out in one day. Absolutely. Rush, rush, rush. Three hours. Two hours. Two hours. Yes. Yeah. All right, so check out everything over at edgeofthewebradio.com. We have all the show notes, all the links to the articles that we're talking about, as well as links to the individuals that are on the show. Hey, this is the SE Ranking Digital Marketing News Desk of Edge of the Web. SE Ranking is the title sponsor of our News from the Edge shows here. We're proud to have them on board. They're a fantastic SEO SaaS marketing platform. They've joined up with us to give you key tools for your marketing endeavor. Make sure that you check out everything inside that platform. They're giving away a 14-day free subscription to the service. It's a fantastic tool set. Compare it to what you're looking at with your other tools, and you're going to be very surprised at the value that they've got there. All right. Joining me this week to share her take on the news is Jenna Houghton. For more than 14 years, Jenna's actually been involved in international search marketing and now serves as the director of marketing at WebCertain, managing all the group's marketing efforts. In addition, she also organizes and programs WebCertain's International Search Summit. Gemma, where the heck is Morty? <laughs> I know, I know. He threw me in here at the last minute. Um, <laughs> I don't know where he's gone, but I am very happy. That's to what he does. Like, I mean, he just like, just, yeah. he, he is like cover fire here. But he introduced us <laughs> to you, and it's fantastic to have the, this relationship. So, hey, yeah, we're, get, we're, we're getting a better result you. anyway. So thanks for joining <laughs> us today. Don't tell him that. <laughs> oh, he knows. <laughs> yeah, true, true. So what's going on in Gemma's world? Let us know a little bit about WebCertain. Yeah, so we are based in the UK, but with people working all across the world now for us. So we're an international digital agency, part of the TransPerfect group. So huge language service provider, technology group. And our real focus is on international digital marketing. So SEO, paid search, social media, yeah, anything within that, which is targeting multiple languages, dealing with the translation side of it is kind of our bag. So yeah. Wow. Very, so uh, you've got a fleet of uh, translators as well, because that's one of the key things that are of issue is that you have to have almost like a, a double check system for every first draft of translation. You're dealing with tone and voice and different colloquialisms. So there's a whole library that you've been building over the years, right? Yeah. Like you say, with international, there's just so much to think about. It's not straight. You know, certainly when it comes to marketing and thinking about your content, it's not straightforward as just putting out a direct translation. It's all of that consideration going into it, that cultural context, yeah. making sure that you're 
saying the right thing. So it's a really interesting space. It's a really exciting area. And um, yeah, more and more businesses definitely getting more interested in it and looking beyond just their own market. So yeah, lots going on. Absolutely. I got to ask you this, uh, throwing you a curveball here, but uh, when it comes down to the SERP and all the SERP features, we actually understand that it's been English-based for such a long time, American-based. As you're seeing the international search, can you give us an idea of the SERP features that are showing up now? Is there an acceleration of feature snippets and PAAs and things like that that are happening around the world now? Yeah, there definitely is. Although for sure, English, US, but you know, UK, any English SERPs are definitely kind of ahead of the game on that mm -hmm. one. So you never see as many of anything. So videos, images, PAA, all of that is generally, there's less of it mm -hmm. um, in other languages, which means that there's a huge opportunity for international businesses because there is less competition. Trying to kind of get that featured snippet, for example, in say Italy or Spain is I'm not going to say it's easy, but there's probably more likelihood of you doing it if you follow the processes, if you optimize well, because there is just less competition for it. Whereas in English, already there's a already huge amount of content out there, a lot mm -hmm. of businesses, you know, focusing on that language. So yeah, the features are all there, you know, Google and other search engines, but you know, Google specifically does roll out things obviously globally, mm -hmm. usually a lot slower into other languages, but you know, all of the kind of core features are there. It's just that they're not necessarily as utilized. So oh, what a great yeah. opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, th thank you for that. Cause I, we don't get to talk international search as often as I'd like. And we are very yeah. well aware that a lot of the feature snippets and the kind of the topography of SERP that we're aware of and we're used to does not translate across the world. And it's great to be able to hear that it's opening up and more and more viabilities there. So that's a fantastic opportunity for a lot of businesses. Thank you so much. Yeah, All right. Definitely. So we're going to drop into our first article of the week, a number of articles, and I, we can't get away from AI. It's bloody well everywhere. That's the one and only time I'm going to do it. I got an English mother and Already, I'm starting to, to want to bring in a few uh, colloquialisms <laughs> that I know. So I'm, I'm going to try to hold back here. Anyway, from 9 to 5 Google, from Ben Shun, there's an article focused on something interesting that you may not be paying attention to. Google's Bard AI, and we know that they've released it. They're developing it and improving it. Certainly past the announcement and the screwed up uh, <laughs> presentation they had. But it could cost 10 times as much as traditional keyword search to the company. Now, here's the deal, is that what they're actually estimating, and these are third parties, Alphabet Chairman John Hennessy said in an interview with the publication, uh, 9 to 5, that a large language model like BARD could inflate the costs of search by 10 times compared to traditional keyword search. The sure fact is they're actually building a model of how many words are in an AI interaction as opposed to a keyword search, and they're estimating the amount of computing power necessary to handle 25 words, 50 words, 75 words, 100 word type of breakouts of inquiry. They're looking at roughly a cost of one-fifth of a cent for a Google search query that actually equates to, if you take it all the way through, Possibly 3.3, well, yeah, 3.3 trillion searches that are actually happening on Google last year alone. So they're actually looking at a potential cost internal of server power of $6 billion, although semi-analysis estimated the bar could cost up to $3 billion in use. $6 billion in additional computing power that they're not charging the user for yet, quote-unquote, right? 
that's an incredible investment. Obviously, Microsoft just invested $10 billion to get ChatGPT on their uh, Edge browser and their Bing search. What an incredible investment of these particular tools. Are we going to see a cost coming to us? Uh, Gemma, do you think that this is just the cost of doing business in search nowadays? I think it probably is to some extent. I think that they have to keep up with the game. AI is the future, isn't it? I think however, whatever we feel about it and however it needs to evolve and improve, it certainly is how things are going to be going, how other businesses are looking. And I think even if you look beyond AI, thinking about how marketing's changing, how the kind of landscape is changing, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of talk this year about TikTok and how, you know, a lot of people, especially younger people, are going to TikTok to search rather than Google. So I think, you know, Google knows that it has got competition from a lot of sources and, you know, it needs to invest yeah. in keeping people there. I mean, saying there's no cost to the consumer, certainly if they started trying to charge people for that, I think they'd find that TikTok got a lot more traffic. And, um, yeah, exactly. TikTok's being, I think it was challenging YouTube as a second largest search mm -hmm. environment yeah. here, right? It's astounding to have that type of new investment, although they're constantly putting incredible amount of yeah. investment into their platform. But here's the deal. We talked about this pre-show is that it's our belief, and we've reported on a regular basis, that Google's wanting that consumer on the SERP, not wanting them on the destination websites. So the more interactivity that they can provide that consumer that results in a transaction mindset of, yes, I found this answer, or yes, I was able to actually query deeper in, if they can keep you there, one, their ads are right there. Obviously, it's an entire money game, right? But they're wanting to be that Facebook of note. They want to have you streaming and interacting inside of the SERP as well. So what a great investment to have a bard right along with you as your yeah. Google concierge, right? Yeah. The other thing, I mean, talking about that, you know, the majority of the cost of that is the processing power is the cost to do that. So they're going to have to invest a bit more in their um, climate carbon neutral program. If yeah. They're suddenly going to start burning through that much processing power because that's going to have a major impact as well. So it's kind of a... Another aspect. That is that's a very good point here. You have to yeah. have that complementary offset, right, in one way, yeah. shape, or form, because as much as it's a good utility, and we're going to see how good of a utility it really is on its yeah. onset, but if the consumer's wanting to have that ease of interaction, it comes with a price. We see the price yeah. right there. It's going to come through in one way, shape, or form. So they're going to be having to address that in the future. That's a good point. All right. So uh, moving on. Hey, uh, we want to talk about SE Ranking, the title sponsor of the show. We're happy to have them on as a title sponsor of this news episode. One of the most important things for an SEO is to focus on the technical side of SEO. The website audit from SE Ranking provides expert level audits and reports that are clear and easy to understand, even for beginners. Any website can be checked against 130 SEO parameters, including core web vitals, crawling up to a thousand pages in just two minutes. Talk about processing power. That's a lot. The findings and included how to fix guides can immediately be turned into action items for your team. So you can actually move that. You don't have to use a Trello board or anything. You can actually move that into an action item list inside of SE Ranking. So check them out. A unique feature found only on SE Ranking is the Page Changes Monitor. This tracks any changes made to important elements of your web pages or your competitor. You can set up a project and watch what they're doing online as well and what they're optimizing towards. 
website audit is just one of many tools from SE Ranking. So check them out. Go over to edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash SE Ranking today. You get a 14-day trial of their platform. It's used by over 600,000 people around the world. So go over there and uh, drop in there and you'll see some fantastic tools. And hey, you may all actually unseat one of your existing tool sets and seat SE Ranking right there in the center. All right. Now, let's talk about unseating something here for a second. Um, honestly, uh, getting into uh, this late recording here, uh, we came across an article that we had to get in place here. It came out yesterday, but uh, there's been a number of articles regarding this topic from ARS Technical. Last pass says employees' home computer was hacked and the corporate vault was taken. Already smarting from that breach that was a couple weeks back that put partially encrypted login data into a threat actor's hand. Check this out. On Monday, LastPass said that the same attacker hacked an employee's home computer. It's not just an employee, by the way. This is one of the senior employees of the organization. And obtained a decrypted vault available only to a handful of company developers. That means that your passwords are decrypted in the hands of an attacker, and it's open for sale, open for exploitation. This is really bad. This is terrible. And there's a lot of companies that I know that use LastPass and have used LastPass for years. There's no rectification of this. You have to go change your passwords right now. And this is a huge undertaking. I mean, you may very well have passwords that date back five or six years, but on top of it, you also have your clients' passwords as well, potentially saved in LastPass. So there's another risk right there. So um, this is usually not in the wheelhouse of digital marketing, but for marketers who are online, who are doing what we do regularly, they have to have this type of technology. And my Lord, this could be a downfall of LastPass, but more importantly, you better get if you're using this, you better jump on this right now. So, Gemma, I kind of ran long on this, but what's your take on this debacle? It's, it's terrible. Well, it is a debacle. I think that's the only word for it, isn't it? And I think also it's just the irony of a password security company not having the security is really just, you know, no, you know, if you can't trust you can't trust them with the data, then who on earth, you know, can you? Or is just, you know, a timely reminder as always that. I don't know, we live online, we forget how everything is there, how accessible mm -hmm. everything is if our passwords are compromised. And I think it is easy to forget that. It is easy to kind of think, well, we've got them secured, we're using this. But there is always that risk. And like you say, it's one thing when it's your own data, but when it's also client data and, and consumer data and whoever, you know, if you're holding data from anybody else, then right. you have that huge responsibility. And even if it is not your fault. Even if it is through a third party, you do bear some responsibility in dealing with that and making sure that you do everything you can to protect that data yep. as much I as possible. I think there's a few uh, midnight hours that are going to be spent here across yeah. the world <laughs> fixing this problem. But here's the deal is that this was actually an exploitation on a media software package called Plex. So Plex got hacked. That was on this senior DevOps employee, and it was logging keystrokes. It saw everything and then got into the corporate vault. Um, my gosh, how could you actually get compromised as a security company having a piece of software right there? Jacob, got I, a point? Yeah, I want to know why he had access to the corporate vault from home. Yeah. I mean, that should have been the first lockdown right there. Like, look, if you need to get into the corporate vault, you need to come into the office. I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, On just, top of yeah. it, for the sheer fact that they just got compromised right. two weeks ago, that should be in DEFCON 
<laughs> DEFCON 1. Yeah. And I can't remember if it's this article or another, but I think there's only four people with this mm-hmm. level of access. Right. He was one of them. Right. You know. Quick question. How long do you guys think it would take for, for you to go change one password? So you got to change it in your password manager. Sure. And then you got to go to the website and go through, yeah, first of all, like, to find it. Mm-hmm. Where's my change my password? Change it, type it. How long do you think that would take you? How many uh, minutes? Maybe five minutes. Right? Five minutes? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> if you had, if you had, a thousand passwords. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I see where you're going. Yeah, I hit the wrong thing there. <laughs> am I? Uh, that would be eighty-three hours. Wow. Of your time spent, and that's—I mean, what a grind! <laughs> what okay. a grind to think about going through a thousand passwords. So, yep. Full work week for every five hundred passwords you have to update. Have fun. Winning. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger blood right there. Oh last pass. Gosh. You got it. That's scary. They, they, what can they do? I, I mean, cast out of the bag. So now every customer, and this is why this is a public service announcement here. Every customer of LastPass has to go through this process now. Unfortunately, yeah. <sighs> All right, hours, hours upon hours. Okay, you know how you can save hours? You can actually use Inlinks. Inlinks is a fantastic entity SEO platform that is a sponsor of, a continued sponsor of Edge of the Web. Optimizing solely for keywords is a thing of the past. You should not be focusing on keywords. You should be thinking in the space of things, not strings. And Inlinks is an award-winning software that can help you add entities into the mix that Google's paying attention to. Feed Google the education that it needs to know who you are, who your client is, and the subject matter that they have. So go over to Inlinks. You can actually delve into a good deal of their expert level data to build your content around things, not strings. And there's a slew of articles and training over at Inlinks. So check out edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash Inlinks, I-N-L-I-N-K-S, to claim your free Inlinks account and start creating content that will outperform your competitors. Third article. Check this out. And again, like I said, AI is is among us. Exactly. We're just going to keep on using the Terminator theme, right? And we've got to get in there so quick so we don't flag any type of copyright infringement. All right, so from the Wall Street Journal, check this out. For chat-based AI, we are all, once again, tech companies guinea pigs. This is from Christopher Mims. The companies touting new chat-based artificial intelligences are running a massive experiment, he says, and we are the test subjects. Yep, I think we all kind of feel that right now. As it is, it's a fantastic article, and hopefully you can see it before it gets gated on you here. Microsoft, right, pulled in OpenAI, and others are rolling out. It's alien intelligence that's being pulled in here. The test is already happening on a global scale, says Chris. Uh, More than a million people in 169 countries have been granted access to the new version of Microsoft Bing search engine powered by the AI chatbot. It was released two weeks ago. They've put billions of dollars into this. Like we said, $10 billion was the initial investment. Lord knows how far they go. In a recent Twitter thread, OpenAI chief executive Sam Altman wrote, we think showing these tools to the world early, while still somewhat broken, is critical if we're going to have sufficient input and repeated efforts to get it right. Okay, so question here. If you heard this from a software company, we're going to send out some broken software, and you go ahead and test that for us, beta test. And literally, I've had that theory for any Microsoft product, never grabbing a hold of the newest operating system because it literally was a test. But 
Would you feel confident if a software company was saying, hey, help us fix what's wrong here. Go ahead and, and do whatever you got to do, and we'll learn from the mistakes. Is that really the right approach here? Gemma, what do you think about this article and that specific theory of just get it out there and let the cards fall where they may? I think that's not been a bit of an approach for search engines anyway for quite a while with other features and however things work. I mm. think that isn't something new. And also that they could never launch it as a fully ready product because the only way to really know is, especially with this one where it is so driven by data that people are feeding into it ultimately, yeah. it needs that to be able to develop and improve. So I think it was inevitable that anytime something like this came out, it would be a you know, at the very start of it, it would not be a ready product. There's going to be a lot of change needed because I think they can't launch it. I guess from Bing's perspective as well, it's to get it out there first as well. If you wait until oh, yeah. you've got the perfect product, everyone else will have beaten you to it. So it's almost a a kind of, yeah. As a brand play, and they had to yeah. jump on there because yeah. it was an opportunity to be able to get back in front or not in front, yeah. but at least be notable and contemporary. And I think that's true. You know, more people are talking about Bing <laughs> in the last few weeks Absolutely. and months than have talked about for years. Like that is without a doubt. More so people have, sense, have downloaded the Edge browser. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I have never had that on my Mac system and I've been running it for 10 years. I will say, okay, I'll sign up for this thing. So yeah. huge downloads. I mean, they're getting a heck of a lot of play out of this. So it's yep. a $10 million PR stunt. <laughs> Here's the deal is that my concern is, and we were talking on Mike King last week. My concern here is that there are so many hallucinations that are deemed hallucinations from uh, the community of what AI learns and then it brings something back that it has, it, it's not true, it's not correlated to anything, but it grabbed a hold of something and it now positions itself with it, what it thinks is truth and it's completely abstract, right? And we're not talking weird hallucinations, we're talking things that it thinks is truth and it's bringing that information to the user. Now, we have a user base that has a spectrum of savviness in the marketplace and you've got a lot of people that believe exactly what they see on search and they don't recognize that we're constantly being tested on, right? They don't know yeah. that they should be looking and verifying on things. So we got a user base that's about to or already has jumped into this AI interaction. And they're fully trusting that because they're fully trusting the search engine. Man, there's a lot of potential culpability. We've already seen some case studies of racist comments coming out of chat GPT. We also saw a number of, uh, what was it, uh, a chat that actually told somebody that they needed to kill themselves or something like that? The one I remember was the uh, the chat bot that said, you don't love your wife, you love me. Oh, yeah, 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 that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, when robots fall in love with humans, <laughs> it's always a good day. So, uh, and I got to double check on the one that I was referencing because I thought that was pretty darn extreme as well. But yeah, there's a major issue here and you're getting an intelligence or at least a pseudo intelligence responding back to people who believe they're talking to something that's sentient. Man, this is a risky place to be worldwide. Yeah. And that is the crux of it, isn't it? It's the way it's positioned, the way it's put out there is not that this is something, you know, this is a new technology. This is a one way to try things. This is the, yeah, it's being put out of there as, here can get any answer to any question that you need. And like you say, there's people who are very open to just believing the first thing they hear or the first thing they see, or if it's from a company they've heard of, it means it must be true and it must be verified. And yeah, I think that is a Well, I mean, in the background, know, there's, al there's always the controversy of SERP results that are skewed. Coming from companies, there's multiple lawsuits against Google right now. 
of not only being monopolistic, but also not providing correct or I yeah. should say truthful content or spinning content or removing content from its SERP. I mean, there's a mess in there. Now you start putting AI chat in there as well. I think it's another way to be able to potentially distract a user from finding out other points of verification. I don't know. I don't want to go down that particular rabbit hole too much. But I mean, there's there's a lot of controversy of these search engines to begin yeah. with. Now you're going to be pumping that information into a bot that says it's loving you and you should very well go check out this particular link because it thinks it's the best for you. That's there's creepy. Also that, yeah, it's creepy. And there's also kind of, I guess, a risk of defamation, libel cases, goodness knows what, because if it starts, you know, picking up things about actual individuals, businesses, yeah. whoever it might be, and saying things there that then get picked up that then become you know, spread around the place, that could, yeah, I mean, how does that work? If it's been generated by AI, you know, who's responsible for that? Who's the person that the yeah. claim is against or the company? Is it the search engine that's delivering it? I don't know. That's it, It's the new Google bowling. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> if enough people say something bad about a company in different places and the bot picks that up, it might also yeah. recommend, like, oh, well, don't go there. They're terrible. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you could very well affect that chat bot and affect a massive amount of people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is depressing as all. But what what a lovely show today. You know, eventually it's going to cost us more money for search, uh, and we've got our passwords that are going to cost us eighty three hours <laughs> to do. And on top of that, we're about to be talked to by AI that's going to tell us that you need to divorce your spouse. How about that? All right. Good week. Something that, let's go to the fast track. So here's something that's nice. How about this? Over at Search Engine Roundtable by Barry Swartz, favicons no longer need to be hosted on the same domain. That's safe, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> okay, she's joining it now. February 23rd, Google posted uh, removing the hosting location requirement from their Favicon documentation. You don't need to host a Favicon in the same domain in order to be able to be eligible for a Favicon in Google search results. Now, we see a lot of Favicons showing up on SERP. In fact, over the last three to four weeks, they popped up everywhere. And if you're doing a search on mobile or desktop, you're going to be able to see that icon right there. Glenn Gabe jumped in. This is really cool. A reference. Okay, Lizzie uh, is awesome for looking into this. It could save a lot people a lot of wasted time. I noticed favicons were showing up when not hosted in the same domain as the homepage ends up. You can host them anywhere. That's one less thing to worry about. So, bring this information to you. I, I don't know if you really it can stand up to the depressing lineup that we just had, but hey, there's a nice bud right there, a nice little flower. Let's sniff that for a second. <laughs> little light at the end of the tunnel there, you know, something to grab to. Uh, yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, we're going to go right back into it with another article from Barry Swartz over at Search <laughs> Engine Land. Google's helpful content system can now impact Google Discover visibility as well. The core updates and other algorithm updates logically impact Discover. But now Google says the helpful content system does as well. And if you hadn't been paying attention, we've had two iterations of the helpful content update that are basically sniffing out AI, but it's also evaluating whether or not your content is truly helpful. And there's that subjectivity right there that we're highly concerned about. What is considered helpful? Google has actually updated a number of different things, but your site visibility could be affected in Discover if you have crossed the line of helpful content. Uh, Gemma, what has been the impact of HCU in the recent updates here for some of your clients? Have you noticed anything? Honestly, not too sure. Yeah, I think the SEO team, you know, still kind of 
yeah, looking into that a lot, seeing how things are going. A lot of our sites are um, B2B, maybe less, you know, certainly not the kind of really kind of consumer mm-hmm. YM. I always get that acronym no, wrong. YMYL. Yeah, I always get the letters in the wrong way, but it's not so much that content. But I think, you know, overall what we are seeing and have been for some time is that clearly structured content following the key guidelines making sure that you are answering questions making sure that you are clearly you know signposting users through your content all of that making sure you're linking to authoritative sources all of that is definitely having an impact it's definitely makes a difference and this is just kind of further that isn't it it's only talking about ai it's only going to get more that we're using it well it's only going to get more that Maybe it's to counter that. Maybe it's to counter some of the things yeah. coming in with the AI where we don't oh, know. I guarantee that actually that space, on the yeah. websites yourself, you know, they're relying more and more on making sure, you know, trying to somehow find that balance of making sure that content that is out there is genuinely useful, is genuinely true. Oh, it's coming through. And Discover was also another area that was difficult to get into. And you have to have value to the consumer. And I think that's the absolute spot that we're talking about is value is being considered from that HCU update. So watch your Discover performance here. But um, the third article, another product review update that's rolling through. I think this is the sixth product review update that's coming through from Search Engine Land. Uh, the February 2023 product review update is rolling through. And this update, and this is Apropos for Gemma to be able to jump in on this one, the update brings new languages to the product review update, including English, Spanish, German, French, Italian, Vietnamese, Indonesian, Russian, Dutch, Portuguese, and Polish. So talk about international value here. This is your game. This is your lane, Gemma. So thoughts about this product review update and especially the international side of it? I think it's quite an interesting one, actually, that it is rolling out to those languages all at the same time because... Quite often, you would definitely see it in English first. And the fact that it's across those languages, and it's quite a kind of eclectic mix. you got Indonesian, Vietnamese in there, languages that you probably wouldn't generally see as mm-hmm. kind of a first rollout, which is quite interesting. I think that probably points to the fact that it they're quite serious about it. If it's something they're just testing a little bit, if it's something that mm, we'll see, it kind of would definitely be maybe English only first. So the fact it's in all those markets does suggest that there's a pretty high weight placed on that and that they are pretty serious about making sure that they are improving and you know it all links back to the same thing about trust and about truth doesn't it that you know again it's reviews so many people do rely on reviews reviews play a huge role now for businesses that from a google point of view if they're working on this basis of being the place to get accurate truthful information getting the best results possible that is something that they need to invest in and i think for sites that run that and businesses that try and garner reviews it is again about making them as valuable as possible, proving the truth of them. Um, I think I read an article, I can't even remember who it was, uh, somebody, I'll have to try and find it, maybe you can share in the notes, but just looking at all the detail about what to include in an example of using, you know, video and actual photos, genuine original photos in the reviews and those kind of things to really prove that it's true and to add that extra dimension to the reviews. So I think that's the way forward is really looking at how you can enrich them to make them as useful and as authentic as possible. Absolutely. For those of you who haven't come across the product review update, this has been a series even back into 2021 where they were rolling out a number of different challenges to product review sites and challenging, not directly, but removing content that did not look authentic, that it was actually spun content to be able to be bait and switch type of content. At this point in time, and this 
our theory was that this was a training ground for HCU, for update. If, if they could get the nomenclature and get the contextual understanding of review and how authority actually connects to what they're reviewing as a product, this was an incubator for what they're now rolling out for the helpful content perspective. If you are running a review site, you have to have expert level knowledge around your products. You should be able to provide quantitative measurements about how a product measures up to in various categories as well. Explain what sets a product apart from its competitors. These are deep, deep points of knowledge that Google is expecting product review sites to actually provide. So like I said, I think it's all in the same space of trust, authenticity, reliable information, helpful information. And this is the antithesis of AI content. AI content is going to be this dilution of authority, which I guess positions people that are doing it right even better because there's going to be such a separation of true authoritative content to a level of AI mediocrity. Your final words on this. Yeah, I mean, I think that really is the point. And it is an interesting, when you look at it kind of in the, comparing this news and thinking about it, it is quite an interesting how much effort Google and other search engines have you know, put into quality content and this real focus on quality and getting rid of spam and getting rid of that. And then they're kind of basically bringing in a new version of it. Um, it is an odd thing to see how it's all going to stack up. And I think AI is not going away, but equally the whole chat, GPT, all of this, it's new, it's interesting, everybody's going on it. It will soon fade away a bit and it will be there, it will be developing, but it won't be the be all and end all in a few weeks, months time, because that's what we've seen with pretty much everything else that happens. So I think, you know, it's carry on doing what you're doing, focus on the quality, focus on doing the right things, making content good for the people who are going to read it. And that doesn't change, does it? I don't think. No, it doesn't. As long as we don't start choosing to trust our AI bots to go look for AI content and then yeah. allowing the AI bot to decide what's good for us, right? Yeah. At that point in time, yeah. we're now in the science fiction mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you had to end with that. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Got to have something else there. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Gemma, thank you so much for your time today and your, and your participation in the show. We'd love to have you, you come back around to be able to talk about international search marketing because that's certainly areas that we want to be able to continue educate and be able to share with our audience. Final words from WebCertain. Give us a final thought for international marketing before we sign off. It's very much like AI. You know, you can't rely on translation tools. You can't rely on just churning out replication of content into different languages for it to work. It still needs a human touch. You need to always think about your users. You need to always think about your market. So I think actually this discussion is really relevant to international where it makes Absolutely. you think that always keep every customer in mind, whichever market you're in. Fantastic. So we'll certainly follow up with you, Gemma. Thank you so much for your participation today. Uh, thank you. You're more than welcome. All right, that's it for The Edge News this week. Check out the, uh, I believe it's the, the Chris Long episodes that are coming out this week. Uh, we have three episodes because we couldn't stop talking to Chris, so it's fantastic. So check that out, uh, as well as check out our sponsors of the show, InLinks, as well as SE Ranking. Uh, make sure that you check them out and let them know that you heard them here first. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel as we're putting out more and more shorts from these episodes. Check out our social channels as well. Go over to edgeofthewebradio.com and let us... Hey, actually, you know what? Go over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash edge today. Give us your thoughts about this show as well as others. Let us know how we did. And if we earn five stars, please share it with the community because that's how we rise in the ranks to be able to connect with people that haven't heard us yet. 
So from all of us over at Edge, thank you. Stay safe, stay well, and do not be a piece of cyber driftwood. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.